Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders for the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and I consider it a privilege to be able to speak to you. In the first chapter of the letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul is laying the foundation for what is, in my opinion, the most comprehensive and complete treatise on the subject of salvation by grace through faith and the obedient nature of that faith to be found anywhere in the pages of God's inspired word. For the starting point of our episode, let's consider Romans chapter 1 verses 13 through 17. Romans 1 13 through 17 tells us, and I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented thus far, in order that I might obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. The phrase that I want us to pay particularly close attention to in this episode is used by the Apostle Paul three times in these five short verses. I want to talk about the I am's of the Apostle Paul. And the first is found in verse 14. The Apostle wrote, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Now we need to understand that it was not anything that the Greeks or the barbarians had done for Paul that placed him under obligation to them. It was not some favor performed on his behalf that made Paul feel obligated to these people. No, it was something else altogether. Jesus Christ had suffered and died on the cross for Paul. He had redeemed Paul. He had made salvation possible for Paul. Jesus made it possible for Paul to become an heir of salvation. In doing all that he did, Jesus brought Paul under obligation to do all that he could to carry the message of these same blessings and their availability to everyone he could. Paul was under obligation to others because of what the Lord had done for him. That is the sense in which Paul made the statement, I am under obligation. And that very statement raises an important question for us. Was the Apostle Paul under any obligation that we as Christians are also not under? Are we not under the same evangelistic obligation? Didn't Jesus die for us, each one personally? Did he not redeem us, make salvation possible for us, and make us heirs of salvation, heirs of heaven? 
If, in fact, we are obedient Christians, the answer to all of those questions is a resounding yes. We, as the faithful people of God, have a very real obligation to the lost to teach them the gospel of our Lord Jesus. This obligation was placed upon our shoulders by the Lord, and it was accepted by every Christian when we willingly obeyed the gospel. In our obedience, we became the servants of our Lord. As his servants, we must remember that we are to be the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world, and that places us under a very important spiritual obligation to all men. Consider from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Did you note the obligation? It is to let your light shine. Why do we do that? What is the essence of that obligation? So that others may see our good works, which would be works of righteousness, and learn from us that perhaps they too will glorify God, ultimately being obedient to the gospel. Let us notice something else about the statement that Paul made. Paul said, I am under obligation. Notice now, this was a personal debt. This obligation Paul was under to the lost, to the wise, and to the foolish was a personal obligation. It was not something that was to be left to everybody else. It was something that Paul himself felt obliged to do. I believe there is a very real danger that members will become content to sit back and just figure that everybody else is taking care of the evangelistic work. But many feel no real personal responsibility to take the gospel to the lost even when the lost are living right next door to them. Be honest with ourselves and with the Lord. How many of us really feel that personal responsibility to the lost? How many of us are personally trying to spread the good news? It is true that we are under the same obligation Paul was under, not as an apostle, but as a Christian. And it is a personal obligation. We must get to the point where we feel as Paul did, when he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. We have to get to the point where we feel the same compulsion to speak just as strongly as Jeremiah did, as he expressed it so beautifully in Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9. But if I say, I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. Now we are not all required to be preachers of the gospel in the sense of being full-time evangelists, but we all do have the obligation to others because of what Jesus did for us, and we should feel like woe is me 
if I don't fulfill that obligation. And let me say one more thing about that debt. It cannot be fulfilled by talking only to a certain type of individual that we might be accustomed to dealing with. Whether an individual is rich or poor, black or white, red or yellow, educated or uneducated, whatever it might be, we have an obligation to that individual to try to teach him what he must do to be saved. If Paul had only taught those to whom he was accustomed to dealing, he would have stayed only with the Jews and those being the educated Jews at that. He would not have been the apostle to the Gentiles, but in truth, he was under obligation to all. The second I am that I want us to consider is found in verse 15 of Romans 1. Paul wrote, Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For our purpose in this episode, I'll refer to the King James translation of that verse. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. There's a great deal we can get out of that relatively short verse. For instance, the attitude Paul displayed. He was eager with as much as in him was. In other words, with everything he had, he wanted to preach the gospel to them. Certainly there is a lesson to be found there for you and me. Paul wrote, I am ready. He was under an obligation and he was ready to fulfill that obligation. I believe us to be under the same obligation and we must be ready to fulfill it. There's a great deal involved in being ready. To be ready demands a willingness. By saying he was ready, Paul was expressing his willingness to go and preach the gospel in Rome. It is one thing to be under a debt and to recognize that debt. It is something else altogether to be willing to do something about it. Christians are to be willing to preach the word anywhere and to everybody as we have opportunity. We have to be willing to engage ourselves in that work. We have to be willing to endure any hardships and inconveniences that fulfilling that debt might bring upon us. It is easy to see that part of being ready to do something is being willing to do it. Another part of being ready to perform a task is being capable of doing it. A man might be completely willing to serve the Lord in some capacity, yet lack the capability of doing it. That's nothing to be ashamed of. Not everyone can be a preacher. Not everybody can teach a Bible class. But everyone can invite someone to hear what the preacher has to say or invite someone to a Bible class. Everybody can hand another person an invitation or a track to read and study. For the one who is willing, there is always an area in which they are capable of serving. Let's make sure we don't find ourselves capable, but unwilling. Further still, in order to be ready, as Paul said he was, we must be prepared. We cannot teach something that we do not know. And we will never know something unless we take the time and expend the effort to learn it. As Christians, we have the obligation to study to prepare ourselves. Think of Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, again from the King James translation. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Think of the commendation given to the Bereans in Acts 17 and verse 11. 
Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Can you think of a better way to prepare ourselves than to examine the scriptures daily? What was it that Peter wrote about being prepared in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15? But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. The last I am that I want to look at is found in Romans 1.16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's think about Paul's life as a Christian for just a moment. Because of the fact that he preached the gospel of Christ, Paul had been forced to suffer much humiliation and punishment, much hardship and trials. His own nation had cast him off. He had been cast out of Antioch of Pisidia, stoned at Lystra, beaten and imprisoned at Philippi, forced to flee from Thessalonica to escape his enemies, mocked by the philosophers at Athens, persecuted at Corinth, and had been the victim of mob violence at Ephesus. We have looked at it often, but I believe it is good for us to remember some of what Paul went through to present the good news to the Gentiles. Think about this. In 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 through 28, we find... Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. And now in the Roman letter, Paul expresses his desire to preach the gospel in Rome, Rome, the greatest city in the world the place of riches, pomp, glory, power, and learning. Into this city Paul longed to bring the simple and humble teaching of the gospel of Christ, and yet he was not ashamed. Why not? Because the gospel Paul was bringing had God as its source, Jesus Christ and the plan of salvation as its subject matter, the Holy Spirit as its revelator, and heaven as its ultimate goal. That gospel is the power of God. That gospel and that gospel only can lead a man to heaven. And that gospel will last until the end of time. How did that compare to the great Roman Empire? It is long gone as we're talking about this this day. Listen to how Paul describes that gospel in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. He wrote, In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. My friends, it was a glorious gospel that Paul was bringing, and it is a glorious gospel that we are privileged to preach and teach today. Paul was not ashamed of it, and neither can we be. It is the same gospel, 
and it is still the power of God unto salvation. May we all be able to leave after listening to this today saying, I am under obligation to all because of what the Lord Jesus has done for me. Also saying, I am ready and eager, ready to teach that gospel, eager to illustrate my love for Christ and my fellow man by teaching them how to get to heaven. And most assuredly, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And I pray that you'll listen contentedly and carefully to these words. Thanks for listening.